The Olympics, widely considered to be the pinnacle of athletic performance, are also an opportunity for businesses and audiences and brands to come together in unique and interesting ways. It really is not just the best of the best as far as worldwide athletes go and the contests on the field of endeavor. It's also the best of the best, or it's supposed to be, with communication, branding, and other forms of things that interest us here on this show. Joining me to talk about the Olympics in all these different dimensions is Abby Fink, Vice President and General Manager of HMA Public Relations. Hi, Abby. You're just fresh back from your own restful off-season. Yes, I uh, took advantage of the work from home doesn't have to be my home and uh, got a place in San Diego for the last month. And so it was pretty fantastic to uh, come to come to you from a different space and uh, kind of refresh and and certainly... 30 degree temperature difference between San Diego and and beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. Now, the Olympics is so many different things to so many different people. And there's a lot of different ways we could chop this up in this conversation. We could talk about controversies and social media and bullying and opinions about specific athletes. Uh, We could talk about brands. We could talk about just the spirit of the thing nostalgically and compare that to what it is today. What's on your mind when it comes to the Olympics? It seems like we couldn't let the Olympics go by without it being a subject of the show because it is kind of dominating um, the airwaves and and Finally, for me, a nice conversation that's dominating the airwaves, right, that we can can kind of focus and national pride for whatever country you're from. The Olympics is this sense of pride. And what is it on now? Five, 10, 12, 15 different stations, depending on what streaming devices you're using. And it's basically a 24-7 program, depending on when they're playing in Tokyo and when we're getting to see things here. And as I think about the history of, of the Olympics and, ter- you know, in, or modern history of the Olympics and that it's really become this worldwide stage for businesses of all types to really find an opportunity to be involved with it. You know, the Olympics back in, what, 25, 30 years ago when it was in Los Angeles was really the first Olympics that had this concept of corporate sponsorship. The city of Los Angeles and their host committee were knew they were never going to have enough money to be able to build out an Olympic village that basically takes over your entire state um, and, and afford it and recoup that. And so, you know, kind of taking a playbook from some other organizations said, well, what if we went ahead and, and sold sponsorships, right, and provided an opportunity for businesses to support what we were doing? And that's when you started to see things like Coca-Cola and AT&T and Bank of America and others that said, you know, we, we this national pride, we want to be a part of it. And we're going to put our name on, you know, the women's gymnastics or tennis or whatever were the sports of the day at the time. And that really has evolved. Now we've seen sports sponsorship is, you know, common practice. Every, every uh, college, every professional team now has some sort of, you know, branded partnership. And that's become an, an area of focus in business schools as well. You can now get a degree focused on the sponsorship deal making mm-hmm. that goes along with athletics. Right. Sports marketing. It's a huge business. And, and you know, the those types of brands, those large brands are really finding, you know, opportunities there. And, you know, do you purchase Coca-Cola brands because they sponsor an event? Well, the likelihood is you may be more inclined, at least during the time that you're seeing it, to be aware of what that's doing. 
But really, you know, sponsorship doesn't have to be these big brands either. And it doesn't have to be the millions of dollars that are being spent. Small business owners can also look for opportunities to connect with events and sports opportunities or things of interest to their company in their own hometown and not necessarily have to invest millions of dollars, you know, a $5,000 contribution to an organization of your choice might get you the same, you know, naming rights, depending on what the project is. As you said, it's a business now. It isn't just throwing money at something and throwing a logo up there. There's a whole element around developing those uh, relationships and how to deliver on those relationships and what it looks like. And what's happening, I think, in, in you know, the Olympics of this, well, it, the, the 2020 Olympics that was now in 2021, and you'll notice that the Tokyo logo still says 2020. So it is still technically the 2020 Olympics. It just didn't happen then. But the platform of the Olympics itself has become, at least here in the U.S. and I suspect in other countries as well, is really an opportunity for brands, for social discussion. As you said, you know, we're seeing so much more out of this Olympics on mental health and the impact on the athletes, not only their physical well-being, but their mental well-being. And certainly some high profile athletes are calling attention to that because of their own um, struggles and what they're trying to do to be a, you know, an all around better athlete also means not just their physical strength, but their mental strength as well. We're looking at um, some equality conversations, you know, and what it means to be an equal participant on a team much like what we do in our business world as well. You know, everyone comes to the table with strengths and how do we maximize the strengths of our team? And so we look at the, you know, the U.S. women's gymnastics team and a lot of focus right now is on Simone Biles and her um, withdrawal from some of the sport because of her own mental challenges and what she's trying to deal with and the pressure that that's causing. But her teammates have said, we are a team and we can cover for you because you are not able to fulfill your role right now, doesn't mean that the U.S. women's team is not competitive or is not part of the conversation. And I think that's a really important distinction in, in what we're seeing in today's Olympics in general is that that it's okay to have these kinds of conversations. And so I, it's bringing a lot of this sort of societal challenges that we've had and, and bringing it to the forefront in a way that allows all of us to feel connected to it. And I don't think we've seen that before. Yeah. And I think in a way that, you know, it's easy to be somewhat sarcastic or even cynical about, but I want to set that mode aside and try to be really honest about. I think the fact that brave actions like that, putting mental health first, putting one's self and one's longevity in the sport first, is criticized by many people. What that reveals to me is really just how much is at stake here. We need to have grown-up conversations about difficult topics. And some people are unwilling to do that. And rather than dismiss that out of hand, I think that's part of the phenomenon we're all grappling with. We need to have tough conversations about race and racism. We need to have tough conversations about sexual and gender equality, equity, inclusion, and all the rest. We need to have tough conversations about nationalism, patriotism, and blind pride in something. We all need to grow up a lot in order to do that. And so the fact that there have been such, well, I still want to call them toxic. <laughs> there have been toxic responses to these things. But I think there's also been some really thoughtful, helpful responses to these things. And my firm belief is that if we continue to invest in the productive and difficult conversations, 
even though there are naysayers, detractors, and jeering from the couch or the or the bleachers, you know, folks, listen, we're we're all going to have to come through this together and hopefully we can do it better. Yeah, I agree. And and if we think about what, in my view, what the Olympics represents, and it is this incredibly talented group of individuals that have achieved, they are the best of the best in their sport, in their country. And they have been, you know, earned this right because of all of their hard work to represent their company on the worldwide stage. And there are some of those athletes that this is the pinnacle of accomplishment. And this may be all that it ever will be. This might be, you know, we've seen some stories of their, you know, this is their last opportunity. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm always, you know, I, I, I always question the reporters there that say, you know, are you disappointed in your silver medal? Are you disappointed in your bronze medal? And yes, they're disappointed because they certainly hoped that they would have won gold. But even at the bronze level, you are the third best athlete in your sport in the world. That's nothing to be disappointed in. And, you know, the, the, that pride in representing your, com- your country, I think, is, it should be um, equally as important. You know, I, I hear the national anthem and I still tear up a little bit, right? You know, wherever, wherever it's being played. And, but I'm also tear up when I hear the national anthem of whatever country happens to be, you know, standing at the top of the podium. But the, you know, the, if you look at this whole process and, and the years of training and sacrifice and, what these individuals have done to become the athlete that represents their their country is phenomenal to me. It is it is it, I mean, there is no athletic ability here at all. <laughs> so when I look at someone that that reaches this pinnacle and even in sports that, you know, it, it, we were how did how did uh, uh, skateboarding become an Olympic sport? Well, I don't know, but my goodness, these are incredibly talented individuals that are, I don't know how they don't flip over and kill themselves, but this is an amazing, you know, set of talent and, and we need to be proud of whatever it is that they're doing and that they've come to this space. And it's just, to me, you know, we can, we can take that back to our own, you know, businesses, large and small and say, we need to be the best that we can be and take pride in whatever that looks like at that time even if it is skateboarding. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, as a proud Gen X person, I, you know, the answer to how come skateboarding became an Olympic sport is that we grew up enough to have influence enough to get it there. I mean, you mentioned the 1984 Olympics in LA. I was 10 years old and living in Southern California at the time. And, you know, 1982, three, four for me was all about skateboarding and Run DMC and the Beastie Boys and you know <laughs> that kind of stuff as a white kid in suburbia. But, you know, thinking about skateboarding itself is a great metaphor for what happens in sports in general. I mean, the athletes and their and their performance just gets better. I mean, you go all the way back to when Roger Bannister was the first person to run a four-minute mile, and it had been said, that's impossible. No human being can do that. Well, now that's routine. It, it's even slow. You know, thinking about Tony Hawk, who was my generation's pinnacle of skateboarding, trying to do some of these tricks like uh, the 900-degree spin, he finally achieved. It was the first person to ever do that. He was 31 years old. Uh, it was 1999 at the X Games. Another kid comes along later, Tom Shar, and does it when he's 12. 
and becomes the youngest person to ever do a 900 and then the first person to ever do a 1080, which is insane. Like to spin in the air on a skateboard that many times, the record now for the youngest skateboarder is, is a 10-year-old. That's how old I was in 1984. If you look at the Olympic performance numbers from 1984 and compare them to today, it's like a whole mm -hmm. other ballgame, pardon the pun. So we keep getting better and why the communication stuff and the business angles and the brand conversations are so important is because we all need to keep getting better, not just the athletes on the field of their endeavor, but all of us as we elevate our work, our conversations, our marketing, our partnerships, we need to be as devoted to continuous improvement right. as the athletes are. It, it's a good role model for us and it reminds us that we're all in the same team, team human. Right. And, and, you know, and we can't rest on how good we were before. We have to continue to be improving, you know, and I have a friend that was a swimmer. She's an Olympic gold medalist. And, you know, her, her time to win that gold medal, 1972, wouldn't even get her in the pool right now. You know, I mean, it's, it, it just, and, and, you know, how we train and, and access to information and access to, um, you know, what, you know, in this case of the athletes, what our bodies are capable of doing and how we train and then and the different and then just the mechanics of it all. Right. What, what kind of equipment we can use now and such is all applicable. Right. When, you know, when I first started in public relations, it was on a typewriter and now I'm sending things with my phone. Right. And we're you know, we're doing this. We're talking over the computer with, you know, the, with technology. And so it's allowed us to be bigger and better and faster and more efficient and and apply those things so that we're not saying, you know, when, well, when I first started back 20 years ago, I was really great at this. Well, good. People have changed over time. What are we doing to improve ourselves in the processes that we're doing? And how are we celebrating those successes and and recognizing, you know, who brought us to that point, right? It's it's the teams that we work with. It's the people that, that you know, invest in us in terms of it, our work, the clients that invest with us, our investments back in, in, you know, the development of our staff and the teams that we're working with is all relevant and, and all gives us that, um, you know, that Olympic ability, right? If you, you know, to be the best at what we can do. And, and what's important in this to me is that it's applicable to any size organization, you know, even if you're the, you know, you're the entrepreneur with, you know, one person working out of your garage, you strive to be the best at what you can be and do everything you can to be the best that you can be. And you need to take ownership of that and pride in that and then figure out how to continue and sustain that work and, you know, and, and do the best that you can. And, and other lessons that we've learned is also give yourself the, you know, ability, you know, it's okay to say I can't. And how are we going to be doing that? How do I rely on someone else to help me when I am not at that spot to be able to finish the work that surrounding ourselves with others that have that same goal and that same mission can be a valuable part of our team. And the the weight of the organization does not have to rest on one person's shoulders that it had, you know, share that responsibility, let others be, you know, equally responsible for for your success and then share in that glory, right? Share in the successes that we all hope to accomplish. So many lessons can be gleaned from this. I think we all need to remember mental health is health and you can't perform at your best in athletics or in the adventure we call business 
if you're not taking care of yourself and others. And so cultivating environments of safety and support where people can be themselves and go through some of their tough things together and still support each other is super important. You know, we've, we, if we've learned anything from social science research inside of big companies, we've learned that competition internally is destructive and diminishes overall performance if it becomes a kind of toxic competitiveness and that an environment of psychological safety is what allows teams to really thrive and really stretch and really come up with creative things. And then the other kind of cheesy sports metaphor I want to make sure to throw in here is we got to know when to pass the baton. We got to know that part of the race is ours to run, but we're working with others and we have to actually let go of some things and let them run. And this could be thought of generationally, you know, the importance of the elders of really making room for the youthful entrance to business or life to really thrive and really discover what they're capable of because they may actually be better than us and we need to let them discover that, prove that, develop themselves and so on. But also that we're not actually working against each other. We are in this together. And yeah, that sounds trite and whatever, but I think it's an actual reality. Whether it's about the earth or a company, we're all in the same boat. This is the boat. There's nowhere, like, there's nowhere else to go. Unless you're a billionaire going to upper sky or outer space for a few seconds. Topic for another show. Another show. <laughs> but uh, for now, this is the boat. This is our boat. We're all in this boat. One of the, the smartest pieces of advice someone gave me early on in my you know, ownership path was surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. Right. So I, I have my, my skill set and I know what I am good at doing but I'm not good at everything and I need to surround myself with others that that are um, smarter than me and faster than me and more efficient. And so um, when you think about this concept of team sport and and even if you are competing in an individual activity within a team, you've got others around to support you. And what, again, whether you are at the Olympics trying for gold or you are the small business entrepreneur working out of your garage, you want to this concept of business and communications and marketing and the strategic growth of our business does not have to be 100% on your shoulders. You can share that out with your team and the success that will come will be, uh, you know, pride in your people and pride in your business as well, much like what we're seeing here on the world stage. So from the Olympics to our small businesses, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned and that's what's on my mind today. 